Welcome, everybody, to the eighth episode of the fourth season of Hyper Talks. And before we kick off the episode, we always start off with a big thank you to Beppo Studios for their continued support. Ow, ow, hosting ow, us. Thank you, Beppo. Mm-hmm. Yes. And today, uh, this is our last episode. Yeah, last recording. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And we have uh, three out of four of the gang with us today. You have me, Ku. Uh, Eric, mm. Lynn, yes. and Nitin is with us in spirit from Berlin. Um, and today we're here to talk to you guys about the future of fintech. And we are joined here today by Sonia Nasahi, uh, the founder of Mojo Stocks. Very, uh, what I like to describe, provocative company with a, a very strong brand message. And uh, we're going to talk about all things fintech. Mm. And Eric? Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I got some, I'm starting to get a little bit warm. I think it's time for the uh, the introduction of uh, yes. the, the guest itself. Uh, so, yeah, we have um, the business developer from Dandoid, a startup role model, award-winning business creative and developer, the change maker from Stockholm School of Economics, risk takeress and oneress, the investor you want to invest in, Ooh. the frontier of fintech. Purpose-driven, bankers or wankers, queen of democratizing <laughs> investment, Sonia Nasi. Yay! Woo! Wow, what an intro. <laughs> Never been introduced like that before. I'm very impressed. Thank you. Did we miss anything? Uh, no, although I'm not a developer, <gasps> so I need to take that part out. But still, the rest I was also very heard flattering. You're the queen of pitching. Uh, thank you. I can actually stand for that. I am the queen of pitching. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, but wow, thanks. Nice. That was amazing. Yeah. I felt like it was my introduction. It was not, but I would love it to be mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, let's start with a, a check-in. Yep. And you are well-versed in the hyperverse, so you know what a check-in is. I love the check-in. <laughs> <laughs> and so our question today is, um, you know, we're talking about the future of fintech. So naturally, my question for you guys is, the zombie apocalypse is coming. What's your skill? <laughs> Ooh, yes. good question. Okay, I can start. Um, I mean, being from Skåne. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> How and, far are you? Two minutes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always tend to mention Skåne in, in this. Um, but yeah, but I, I think I talked to the, this with my uh, friends uh, a couple of times. Uh, my skill would be uh, close to Captain uh, uh, Marvel uh, that she has. She has basically... Um, uh, taken the uh, core of uh, light speed speed engine into herself as a part of her, and then she can do a lot of cool things, uh, like flying and uh, kick ass. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> wow! And escape to another planet if that's mm, so. okay. Amazing, Captain Marvel. It's a good contribution. Yeah, mm. thank you. Yeah. Check in. Cool. I'm not following that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna develop superhero skills? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. Mm, cool. I thought you were supposed to have basic skills like. <laughs> <laughs> Being from Skåne, we have different rules. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't really have skills as it relates to surviving in nature or stressful situations. So uh, I think my skill would be I would donate my body for food. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Giving up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's for the greater good. Yeah. Okay. I'm selfless like that. <laughs> Generous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. I have no idea what skill I would bring. 
Um, can you like bring ultimate compassion for others? Mm. Ooh, mm. that's really nice. Simple as that. Keep yeah. Like that. Will you be compassionate towards the zombies? I'm gonna compassionate the hell out of them. Okay. So they turn into nice zombies. Mm. I feel like I don't really have the skills, but I would try to find people with skills. Mm. Um. I'm thinking like gather as many zombie brains as I could, mm. mush them together, create like a super zombie brain, and then like have of course people with the skills doing this, uh, and then like the super zombie brain could actually start di- to direct other zombies mm. and mm. maybe like have them build something or have them have some meaningful purpose in life other than just killing and eating people. So yeah. That's a great answer. I, did. <laughs> I should have let her go first, yeah. and then I should have gone. Plus one. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Mush together zombie brains. <laughs> I like it. Um, so, Sonia, we want to first, I guess, start talking about you a little bit. Uh, we watched a really interesting YouTube video about you recently. Um, and your the story about how you got into the whole financial industry is quite interesting. Um, and I think what makes it even more lighthearted is the fact of like kind of how non-traditional it was, I guess. Uh, do you want to share a little bit more about it? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, when I was in high school, I had a lot of like Persian anxiety uh, because my family was like, you need to get all A's. If you don't, you're basically going to end up on the street. And uh, I didn't really want to become a doctor or an engineer. Um, but so out of my anxiety, me and my uh, friend, we decided to start a company. And we we felt like, okay, so what kind of company could we start um it must be for young people because we are young and those are the only people we understand at this age and what do young people want they want money um so how can we create a business around that and then we started thinking about stocks and investing and and we realized that no one really knows how to invest in stocks so we came up with the idea of creating a stock gift card that you could actually fill up with specific stocks and give to a friend. And once that friend would cash that gift card in, they would automatically have stocks. And that way they would get started into investing. And so this idea like miserably failed because we did not know what we were doing. I was basically calling like the... What do you call Vixel uh, person in English? Yeah. Like uh, uh, the bank. Uh, when you call the bank, you first yeah. get to like a telephonist, mm-hmm. a reception yeah. person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was pitching my whole idea to this poor person. <laughs> and she was like, wait, let me direct you to the right person. Um, so, yeah, I did like a hundred similar mistakes like that. And we tried for a whole year. And um, by the end of it, we... Um, we became consultants instead uh, to the banks that we had contacted. So we kind of helped them to communicate towards young people uh, with marketing strategies and stuff like that. And uh, my last year of high school, I really like, I got this fixed idea on getting into Stockholm School of Economics. And uh, they had a competition called Business Creator of the Year. And I did not have the grades to get in. So I did my very best to get into that, um, get in through the competition. Mm. And um, yeah, it was fun. I was basically just trying to collect votes. Uh, I pitched to a jury um, and it went really well. So yeah, it was with the consulting company that I applied to the competition. 
And I know you guys ran, uh, it was called Scope Consulting. Yeah, exactly. That was the consulting company, yeah. For a few years. Uh, I mean, at such a young age, like, what would you say your some of your biggest learnings were during that time? Um, something that I'm constantly trying to get back to that I was really good at at that age was being naive and just, like, pushing forward without knowing what I was doing. Because I feel like nowadays I'm way more mindful of, like, I don't want to make mistakes and I'm, that could really, like, stop me. Um, back then I just, like, went straight forward into everything and I felt like I had nothing to lose. And we had a lot to gain from that. Like, we went to banks and we revisited them, like, every week. And they kept telling us what we were doing wrong. And we were like, okay, we'll fix that and come back next week. And they were really nice accepting us like, <laughs> to come back over and over. Um, but I feel like the one biggest thing that made us succeed at that time was to just like, yeah, move forward without knowing what you're doing. If you don't know, just learn it as you go. And yeah, get somewhere. There was something about the, I mean, uh, I think you said it in the YouTube clip and, and now as well. Now we named it as uh, the, the Persian anxiety thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, being like an underlying reason or uh, motivation to, to do this. Um, now that you're uh, uh, a couple of years in from that moment, can you see that that is still something part of the uh, other startups uh, that gets driven by fear or anxiety? or Because uh, it's kind of, I think it's kind of, for me, it's super inspiring to hear someone who talks about anxiety and then how things are created from it and developed mm, from it. It's yeah. just like, pfft, yes. Yeah. I think in the beginning when you start a company, it's either because you feel like you have an amazing idea and you feel like it would contribute so much value to the world mm. or it could come from, or it could be a combination of the two, um, your own anxiety of succeeding in life and making it and making yourself successful. I feel like for me in the beginning, it was a lot about my own success. It was very much about my own ego trying to become, yeah, my definition of what success was. But as I went, I felt like that I saw more and more how hollow that was. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very much shifted for me because I gained so much satisfaction from seeing like a complete beginner actually being able to invest in stocks now because of what I've help create mm. like that has so much purpose and value to, for me right now but um but like the startup journey in itself comes with so much anxiety of course mm. because you basically you can't know what you're doing you're mm. creating something new which means there is no roadmap established for what you're doing you need to figure it out yourself mm. and put the pieces together and it can be really uncomfortable um and obstacles can come out of nowhere and that could create such anxiety. It's like I'm a year in or two years in, like deep in, and I've invested everything I have in this. Mm. And now this random little shit obstacle like popped up <laughs> and it's going to ruin everything for me. Like, no. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm curious. You talked about the gift cards. Yeah. Um, and then you went to Stockholm School of Economics. And then where did the idea of Mojo Stocks come 
Um, so, yeah, the gift card idea kind of died out. And then I did the consulting thing. And then I started studying uh, business. And I was like, during that time, to be honest, I was also at an age where I really wanted to party. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Priorities. I Priorities. Like I like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like I in the back of my mind, I was always like, I have to like keep on with the company. Like me and my friend, we would constantly meet and be like, okay, we need to like meet a new bank and do another consulting thing but we were completely demotivated um and then we felt like okay but let's get motivated by creating something entirely new um and then during those years yeah as i said i I started prioritizing other things like being successful wasn't on the top of my mind all the time so i did other things for a few years um and i had the luck of working as a project app manager for a market research company um and i got to work with like uh, a team of around 10 people really Mm. skilled in marketing and developing and design and we built an app together and i think during that time or after that time i started thinking about the core problem that i'd been trying to solve with the gift card and the consulting company Um, because doing those things, I realized that so many young people are completely uninterested in um, personal finance and investing. And going to Stockholm School of Economics, I saw a lot of privilege and Mm. I saw a lot of like people who were into these things because their parents had passed it on to them. Mm. So I felt, and also studying it, I felt like these are not complicated concepts. Like anyone could do this and anyone could empower themselves through like being smart with their money Mm. and the whole universe of investing is so insanely boring like it looks like (laughs) like the best (laughs) the best website you could find on it looks like it's from the 80s so i just saw an obvious problem there (laughs) and so it was like during my time at school that i i kind of refocused and thought that okay maybe this is what i should do Mm. i should make a really easy and simple investing experience so that people could start investing yeah super cool so cool that it stayed with you like the like you referred to it as like the core problem was still not solved yeah yeah (laughs) still there still trying yeah exactly how would your elevator pitch be on mojo my elevator pitch is um so can i ask you questions in my elevator pitch go ahead okay so that's a new one (laughs) yeah um so have you ever tried investing in stocks? Nope. Would you ever want to try? Of course. Why would you want to try? Uh, because it's probably easy, not an easy way, but it's like a um, pretty passive way to make money, I think. In my head it is. Mm. Mm. And if it is, why haven't you gotten around to start? Because I have all these... Uh, pictures about how complicated it's ah. going to be and that I'm not going to understand the lingo and there's a risk in there, right? Yeah. So I, rather than just keep the money as it is rather than risking losing it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't have a lot of money. So Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, interesting. So um, I might have a solution for you, uh, which see. is an app where you can... <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Um, which is an app where you can actually try investing with fake money and mm. see where you're going. Um, so instead of just shooting in the dark, choosing some stocks, we'll actually show you what risk you're taking. Um, if you're doing something that's really off, like mm. choosing one or two stocks when you should be choosing 10, 
or for instance if you have all your stocks in the same industry will tell you um, why that might not be the smartest strategy so this is a place where you can go as a complete beginner and understand what you're doing as uh, a smart investor mm. the first time you try investing amazing boom yeah. <laughs> I signed up for the beta. <laughs> yes, great. And then I wrote to these other people. If you uh, like recruit someone, you move up 500 places. I'm like, I'm going to recruit all of you. <laughs> yes, great, nice. That makes me so happy. And the listeners now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> so ahead. <laughs> no, but I think it's a, it's an amazing idea, uh, and I think it. And we mentioned earlier other guests that we had had here. Um, And ownership is one of them, uh, which is a think tank, an organization working with uh, female ownership. And I read on their webpage today that I think in the last report, there's like 4% of women uh, investing and owning stock, if you look at the whole statistics. Mm. So I think the democratizing of this whole thing uh, is super interesting, both to youth and um, mm. to women or female mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's uh, one of the main things that motivate me. Um, I feel like there's a very clear profile uh, of like who is the typical stock investor. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's usually um, a male person in their 50s. And that's the general target group. Mm. Um, and those are the people who actually have the tools to be smart with their money. Mm. Um, so it's a shame that it is that way. Mm. Um But it's changing rapidly. It's not just me trying to change this. There are loads of companies globally trying to make this accessible for young people, for trying to inspire women and mm. people who've never thought of investing to actually start. Very inspiring. Can you tell us a bit more about, or tell the listeners a bit more about your brand and marketing strategy? Because we have all had the pleasure of watching that amazing video on your website. If you have not watched it, please go to the Mojo Stocks uh, website right now. Um, and even like the catchphrase, bankers are wankers, like tell us about like how you came up with all of that, I guess. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're still trying to, I mean, it's nice to hear that you like our marketing strategy so far, but because we're still trying to establish it and figure it out, yeah. I don't feel like we, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, my whole outlook on marketing and the team's outlook is to be genuine and very authentic about why we're doing this. And we are quite upset about the current state that like bankers actually, like I actually made a phone call to a banker um, pretending to be a high school student doing an essay. And I said that I'm uh, doing it like an essay on um, on a banker's typical day at work. So I asked questions about like, so what is your typical day at work? And what I found out was quite like enraging because this person said that they tailor investment advice for people. Mm. Uh, so I asked how they actually go about doing that. It was like, do you check the person's preferences? Mm. Do you figure out like what the best, uh, I don't know, uh, do you analyze before you choose the investments for the person? And they were like, no, we just ask like what risk preference they have, what time horizon they want to invest over. And then we have five packages that we choose from that fit into that profile. So I was like, but okay, the person could do that themselves and mm. not be charged like 30% of their profits, um, you know, going to fees uh, to this fund manager. Um, so, and I feel, I also saw that bankers earn 
uh, right after CEOs, have the highest salaries uh, in Sweden. And what do they actually do? Like, are they contributing value to society? Are they actually um, creating something new? No, it's just because they're in the money industry that they make the most money. Um, and I just... I. Really don't want anyone to hire a fund manager ever again, mm. um, because I think a lot of their their salespeople that's what they are. So they're just trying to sell you um, investments that might not be good for you or might not like um, be the best option, or they're not doing actual work. Um, so that's why I believe they are wankers, <laughs> and I think everyone should know. <laughs> Um, just putting it out there. <laughs> just putting it out there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when it comes to brand and marketing strategy, I just thought, let's show our true selves. Like we're a bunch of people trying to create a service. So I guess the service as it is now is basically the combination of our personalities. And I felt like the weirdness of that video really conveyed who mm. we are as a team like I, I like that it feels really weird it's a bit strange um, um, so yeah we we basically set out to have one strong brand value which is we want to democratize investing we want to empower people to um, create like stronger financial selves um, that's what we want to do um, there is something, I mean, very interesting as well as putting putting yourself out there. And I, I mean, if the video portrays you, uh, and it also sends a clear signal to what you're stating, um, and there's a there's a risk associated with that. And I mean, for me, then also expert in risk management, yes. Um, <laughs> yes. I have anxiety and fear quite close to each other, and then uh, yeah, uh, that becomes. Uh, uh, a comfort zone um, but you did it and it still had the impression like, wow yes let's do this let's uh, I'm going to be part of that uh, something different but uh, what would you say I mean that there are risks associated with it um, would you say that if if the whole thing was also based from uh, from anxiety let's keep that uh, like what did it take for you to take that step to make that uh, take that leap? Yeah. So is it uh, ten discussions or is it just like, fuck it, we're doing it, uh, <laughs> let's go? Uh, yeah, because it's quite pro- provocative it's brave. in a sense, yeah. and yeah. it's super brave. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess like we had a lot of conversations about marketing, and I felt like after a while we got lost into the mechanics of it and like the disciplines and principles of marketing. And after a while, I felt like we lost our sense of realness. So there are a lot of like strategies we could have followed, and there are a lot of like templates we mm. could just implement to market our service. Uh, but it got really far away from us, and I feel like this is the first time I'm attempting to do any big marketing thing. And it felt like actually it's the safest way to go to mm. have it as close to us and as authentic as possible. Um, so in the end, yeah, most of my decisions are like I, I factor in fear and anxiety a lot into all of them. <laughs> and this felt like the uh, least risky path, actually, to just be try to be true. Yeah. Great answer. <laughs> and like speaking, I guess, of authenticity and being genuine, like how what what would you say are some best practices that you've learned um with motor stocks and even um with scope um of how to authentically communicate 
with not only customers, but like the next generation, us and the people that are after us, because we are we are the future. Um, but we're also very particular. Yeah. Um, I'm actually yet to find out. I can't claim that I know much about that. Um, but I really want to learn um, how to do that most effectively. I know that this next generation of people were way smart. I don't know if I could say smarter, but we have way more access to information and we can compare everything that we find. Um, I feel like we're less, we're more sensitive to bullshit. Um, I feel like we are sick of the old-fashioned like advertising styles trying to sell us stuff and manipulate us and uh, I'm just speaking from my own perspective being a part of this generation I generally like things that just trying that are trying to offer me some value without anything else added on like they're not trying to be the best thing in the world they're just specifically focused on providing me value in this one area um so, yeah, removing the bullshit, I guess, um, is what I've figured out so far, but yet to learn loads <laughs> on it. Yeah. I, I just want to ask, like, what what is fintech? Oh. Fintech, I think, is really interesting um, because up until now, if you wanted to create a, a company within the finance industry, you would need to basically create a bank. And in order to create a bank, you would need like 70 million kroners. You would need licenses. You would need um, uh, like a legal department, basically, to be able to create something. And during the past 10 years, all of these barriers have been broken down. So EU actually came with a new rule that was enforced this year, uh, PSD2, stating that all banks are obliged to share their data to startups, at least data on like their customers' transaction accounts and stuff like that. So this enables startups to actually get data from the banks and like hook up to their systems mm -hmm. and just create like apps and front-end solutions for people and yeah, be supported by the whole backend structure of existing banks. So this is a super exciting time. That's what FinTech is for me. It's basically um, all of these new players creating new solutions uh, with the help of uh, existing banks. And if you look at the UK, for instance, or mm. the US, there are so many new age banking solutions that have come out that are providing like simple investing, borderless uh, banking, just stuff that feels like it's from our day and age and not from the 80s, like mm. um, digital banking. Mm. Um, so... So that's what fintech is. But I, I also find it funny that like every industry has the word tech uh, following it now. It's really strange. It's Yeah, health tech, food tech, uh, fintech. Yeah, every tech industry. Tech. Um, but it's weird because yeah, I love that perspective because fintech for me uh, has been more about the... I still see the, the white guys in suits. That's for mm. me like, okay, there's suits, 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 fintech. So it's so it's so strongly that like a curtain in front of me. I can't really remove it. Uh, yeah, super weird. Uh, but then when you talk about being the, the time, it sounds so more like there's opportunities. There's something happening there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I also see that like especially in Sweden, a lot of the new fintech solutions are mm. from ex-bankers, mm -hmm. um, and I feel like the apps that they design are really poorly designed. 
um, because it's like bankers designing apps mm. uh, in my world that doesn't really <laughs> work and I see that some companies in the US and in the UK for instance they are like some of them are also ex-bankers but they're really skilled at like designing good apps and hiring like good teams um, so I wouldn't say that like fintech will necessarily make the financial sector more good mm. or morally right like the the banker the wankers are still there uh, um, but it's definitely going to be more transparent and more democratized which in itself will make the industry better so that's a positive thing yeah. did you know about this policy or law change when you started mojo or is no. that like a lucky lucky so yeah. many things just align yeah and when you do this like i also another thing was I was working with a developer when I started out and that situation didn't really work out. He was dividing his time between me and another startup. And then after that, I like I had interested investors. I had like marketing people. I had the idea. I had this whole thing. I had partnerships with banks that were in the works, but I didn't have a developer. So mm-hmm. I basically had nothing. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, my problem was like finding a developer co-founder. Um, and I did everything I could and I was just stuck until one day like a developer yeah I kind of stumbled over a developer uh, who became my co-founder and now we have a whole development team and it's just to me what I realized was just like you have to just keep going and sometimes it feels like you're gonna run into so much bad luck everything that could go wrong will go wrong but if you just keep going the law of probability will be in your favor mm. favor in the end because if everything has gone to shit so far like the like the law probably states that like <laughs> eventually something good must happen yeah. Yeah. and then it does yeah. so the psd2 thing was one of those things it was a huge barrier yeah. but when i started i didn't really realize the risks i was like i can start a banking thing like how I'm, hard can it be? yeah how hard can it be i'm like let's we're gonna figure it out yeah. and then this thing just like came out of nowhere so super lucky <laughs> yeah. hard work for yourself, right <laughs> yeah we're just like doing something and then until luck strikes you exactly yeah it's part of the yeah. <laughs> i'm curious after um i don't know how old you are but the 2008 financial crisis. Yeah. Like a lot of people lost all their trust in banks. Um and I'm curious like I know you've worked with banks and helping them communicate better with the youth, but how are you portraying trust, I guess? Is what mm. I'm trying to say. Yeah. How are you por- portraying trust through your app? Because at the end of the day it is still another banking. Yeah. App. Exactly. Um so transparency basically like we're going to have a service that's called I don't know if we're going to call it this I want to call it the bullshit screener. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're probably not going to call it that but I Please do. Yeah, yeah. I would love to. It's very on brand. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so basically, we're not going to deal with anyone's money, but we're going to be a service where you can place your money at any bank you want to without leaving the app. So we're going to show you, like in the future when we add funds to the app, we're going to show you that, okay, you're interested in this fund. Uh, this is like a price runner list of where you can get it for the cheapest fee. 
Um, so we're always going to be like a layer on top of all the other banks showing the user where they can get the best deals. And I've actually turned down a bunch of collaborations with banks because of that reason, because of a lot of banks wouldn't want to do it that way. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like, yeah, we could maybe gain one bank partnerships partnership, but if we don't have the the trust of the users and if we're not doing this for the users in the end it's not gonna succeed like especially in this industry where trust is such a big thing so yeah i mean we genuinely want to create services that help people financially so uh, we're gonna try to show that in every way yeah but has that been i'm thinking is that a tough decision because i can also see how the banks would be super interested in like you know, getting this to theirs, yeah. to their brand, connecting it to their brand, but making that decision of not going that route. I, I mean, yeah, it's been like, especially speaking to investors, because investors would tell you different things. They will tell you like, okay, we want to see a clear revenue stream, uh, like a plan for a revenue stream. And I know that a revenue stream could be a partnership with a bank, because if we give them new customers through our app, we could get money from that. Um, and in the beginning, I was like, yeah, let's do that and let's do that. But I think what actually helped me get out of that jungle was um, getting so many different kinds of advice. Like people were telling me so many different things uh, that in the end I was like, I need to have one guiding star and that needs to be the users. Mm. Like the, they need to be above everything. I think that's the only way of succeeding. And also looking at other companies that have succeeded, they feel so user centric, so user focused that like it just makes sense to me. So that's where all the decisions come from now. Uh, and I feel like if you create something that's valuable for someone, eventually you're going to figure out a way to make money off of it. Um, and I don't want to make money off of it in shady ways where I have like partnerships that are hidden in the background and the user thinks it's, it's for free and they don't really understand what they're paying for. Like I want the user to feel like I'm gaining value from this, so I'm willing to actually give something back and have a, like, a fair transaction here. How do you take the, take it? Um, I mean, there's a lot of uh, putting those insights and, uh, and b- listening to your users and using transparency and so on and putting it into the the digital solution or a product in itself. Um, but how do would you uh, how do you prefer uh, both you and and as your company in itself uh, to engage with customers offline? Um, do you do it or do you focus on it in any in any way? Um, um, I would like to do it more. Um, right now, we've been like buried into development. We've just been focusing on bugs and technical mm. issues and stuff like that. And now we have our first version ready. So I feel very ready to like get out into the world and start talking to users and start mm. engaging them. Uh, and I'm actually yet to find out how I can engage with them more. Because I truly believe like it's it's the most valuable thing to understand the people that you're like building a service for. You need to engage with them as much as possible. Mm. Um, the extent that I do it uh, now is basically with, like with my friends. I could speak about these things with my friends and they are the people that I'm trying to help with these mm. things. Um, I don't know. Do you have any ideas? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, but they, they Hire Hyper Island. Hire Hyper Island. Mm, there you go. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that? No. I have a startup now. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh. Mm. No, yeah. but uh, I, I would say, uh, uh, I think that, I mean, I'm also super interested in, in the, like, how do you build a community around it? And uh, is it 
yes, yes, this is going to be in the uh, the room and scene of in the digital environment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a, an app or something that's going to be a digital product. But how do you look beyond that? How do you the how does the target audience engage with each other and yeah. the value between that relationship? Yeah. Uh, what's happening there? Uh, I mean. I think it's as simple. It's it's interesting that you said like I talk to my friends about these things. Mm. When you think of investing and and these big life decisions that you make, you often go to like your friends or your family members, like whoever's in your trusted circle, um, to either help you work through that decision or seek out whatever kind of advice. So even if you were to do some type of like meetup where it's like investing 101 mm. but it also serves as like a live testing environment for you to test the app on people and get their feedback but then they're also talking to people like they're not just building trust in you but then I'm doing it with Lynn and Eric so mm. now I trust them mm. should I have any questions I don't even know the lingo but have any questions about my portfolio in the future mm. I know that we were all at this we all have the same like baseline in investing knowledge, we're all in this journey together, so we're yeah. going to figure it out together. Mm. You know, that's a great idea, actually. Mm. I'll the, send my can... invoice. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to run away with the idea. God damn it, it's oh. recorded now. I can't get away with it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm leaving for New York on Friday. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, but that is a great point, and maybe there's a way to do that digitally as well. Like to create some sort of forum where people can meet and discuss these things. I'm actually uh, gonna guest host a lecture on investing in Gothenburg mm-hmm. on okay. Saturday. Uh, have you heard of Bush Hayen? Yes, I was gonna mention her when I was thinking yeah. about your like any ideas because she created a bit of a movement as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. She's amazing. So mm. she educates uh, novices on how to like on investing on stocks, what it is, how you can get started. Um, so I'm gonna yeah guest lecture at one her uh, one of her events and talk about the differences between uh, stocks and funds and how you can get started and that is a great way for me to actually engage with the audience and see what questions they have and what might pop up Um, because yeah I've done a lot of like market research where I just like call people up and ask them what Mm. their perceptions are about investing like the questions I ask you basically in conversations like that but it would be amazing to be in a Forum with people where they could engage with each other and actually, yeah. yeah. And I think there's a lot of comfort in knowing, like we. I always trust a company more when I see myself in the company. Mm. So if I see, like, I see you on stage, I see you as my peer. You are very relatable to me. Whatever you have to say probably is going to be very digestible. So that automatically makes me like very engaged and want to find out like more and how can I possibly use this. Yeah. So I think that's lovely. That's cool, yeah. Great, yeah. Planting a lot of ideas in my mind now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do you have any, I think, um, not only for yourself, but if you were to give other uh, companies uh, advice on how to, and now we've been talking a little bit about marketing, but but then engaging or connecting with the future generation um, with, except uh, transparency in itself, uh, uh, do you have any other, uh, like, yeah, general uh, advice? I'm uh, flattered that you asked me that question because that question because I feel like I don't really know much about it yet like yeah, I yeah. I feel like I haven't really succeeded at it yet. 
Um, Why I, do you feel that way? Because we haven't really, we haven't launched, we haven't reached a lot of people with our marketing. We haven't even started. Like, we've created a website and a video, but we haven't made any attempts to like uh, to spread it or to to distribute it. So I um, I feel like we're uh, right before that stage, uh, yet to learn a lot of things about how to do it in the best way. Um, the what we have like established so far is to just like stay true um when we create our brand and like stick to our brand values and never move outside of what we believe um as we grow but um yeah i mean personally i was just i would like to see more honesty and more truth mm. and less like trying to manipulate people and trying to be clever and trying to get people to think and feel in a certain way and just like be very honest um and very raw mm. uh, because i feel like there's a facade that people and companies have uh when they engage with people and it's it get, becomes way more interesting when people just like remove that mask and they're actually them their true mm. selves um but we'll see if that's a naive assumption or if that actually mm. is i think that's that works. i think that's brilliant not only I be agree. transparent but let your users be transparent Mm. I need a mentor for my internship. I might have to. <laughs> <laughs> we can get it on recording. Maybe. <laughs> you have to give her more ideas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Reciprocity. <laughs> yes, give me more. <laughs> but let's let's talk about the future of fintech. Um, I think it's it was really interesting that you brought up the question, "What is mm. fintech?" Mm. It's a relatively new term, but it's something that has uh, rapidly evolved um, over. Uh, the past few years and will continue to evolve over time, um, especially with people having like access to information and even just investing itself. It's not like the barriers are being broken down every day more and more. Um, so in your opinion, what would you say some of the next big trends in fintech are like in 2020, I would say? Looking at the UK, who's a bit ahead of us, I feel like one very clear trend is that banking will become more and more digital. I mean, it already is. Uh, but I feel like services like Swish, like transferring money, having uh, a bunch of different currencies in in your account so that you don't have to pay transaction fees overseas. Amen to uh, that. Yeah, right? <laughs> and just like, <laughs> finally. Um, and just like using smooth interfaces like Klarna, for instance, I think that will become more of our reality. We won't have to log into these old traditional bank apps um, where you feel like the only thing you could do is transfer money between accounts and you don't really know how to access anything else of their services. Uh, so I feel like these things will be more um, more smooth and more easy to use. And then when it comes to investing in stocks, I really think that's a trend that a lot of young people are going to they're going to start investing. Like if you look at Robinhood, for instance, they're an investing app in the US who has made investing really simple and easy just for a simple interface. Um, and they charge zero fees for um, for investing. They've actually, I think they have 6 million users after mm. six years. Mm -hmm. So they're growing with like averaging 1 million new users per year. Mm. And I think... Um, it was around like 70 or 80% of them are investing for the first time and most of them are millennials. Um, so I think as soon as a, a simple, easy-to-use service comes out, uh, young people are going to start using it. Uh, 
So investing is going to be more accessible. Doing like regular banking services are going to be more accessible. Um, yeah. So and then I I really hope that it will lead to people becoming financially smarter. Because I think one of the biggest issues right now is that people are financial illiterates. Um, they don't really know how anything works. And we live in this system where like just 10% of people living in the system understand how the system works and they're benefiting from it. And they're like um, using the rest of the people. And I really hope that access to these services will lead to people becoming more educated and understanding what they're doing and understanding what investing means and... Um, I mean, that's that's my hope. Uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, it's interesting. I also think it goes being a bit older, uh, but not that old. But uh, I see a lot of people trying to save up money so that they can go into, like, stop working earlier. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, the freedom, like the digital nomad, living the free lifestyle. Um, and it feels like it goes hand in hand with that like yeah. invest the investment trend then is a passive way of even though you're not completely passive but it's a way of making money and still being able to do what you want yeah or, so it's interesting exactly i feel like a lot of people who are freelancing right now they need to consider their pensions exactly and it's something that just seems like such a hassle mm. to get into and understand what you're supposed to do about it mm. um So hopefully, like there will come more services that makes it easy to to understand how you can save up for the future and how to build a, a solid like um, um, yeah base for your pension. Exactly, that's your next move. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, I can see it happen. <laughs> I thought about the no, another question is like it's still the entry to actually invest um, and also be maybe a part of the fintech uh, fintech industry um, because if everything is getting more smoother i think with the services that's also like api economy like the more the more and more seamless it goes the the less i'll probably experience it mm. and the less i see of it being a possibility to do something with it it's, does that create a gap then that uh, uh, you're supposed to be able to act on or see And how will that? Is that a risk that's also coming? That everything's going so fast. That's why it's called tech, right? And then mm. you maybe miss the opportunity. But the question really is: How do you still get? Um, I mean, this is a, a great way what you're doing to see investment in a new light, and then get into it. But the question is still: How to get a broader audience, a new audience to it? How to get into it? And with that, what will change? What will happen within uh, one year um, with that? Um, I mean, it's a good question how you can engage people to start thinking about it. I feel like a lot of people just like shut off when you start talking about these things uh, <laughs> because it's like it's inherently boring and you like you associate it to so much like boring information. So it needs to to get to you in a way where you can relate to it. Um, one way might be like the stuff that you buy. I, I mean, I personally think it's a good idea to invest in the things that you use and that you buy and that you know. So, for instance, say that you go buy some Nike shoes or like an Apple product. What about looking at the stock of that product that you just bought, that mm. company? I mean, um, I mean that could be an entry point. Like you get a free stock if you buy this product here. Mm. Um, there could be. I I also think that. Like a, a lot of people have a natural curiosity to investing, uh, but 
as soon as they've tried or Googled it, they've been completely beaten down by the jungle of complexity. Mm. Um, so if they actually find a simple-to-use service, they mm. might get started, they might tell their friends about it. Uh, maybe, like, there will be a social platform or social features where you can engage with your friends and maybe invest in things together. Like, I hope now that the barriers to entry in, in the financial markets are lowered, I hope, like, a new uprise of apps will come with the goal of uh, engaging young people to start investing uh, in different creative ways. Mm. I think another huge barrier that you guys have broken down is the fact that you can initially start with no money. Yeah. Because when you talk to a lot of people about like, why don't you invest money is, um, I mean, lack of knowledge is a huge barrier, but also money. People just either assume you need a lot of money to start investing or you need whatever, some like minimum amount. Yeah. And that's not usually the case. And the fact that you can use play money and experience what it's like before you fully commit to mm. it is I think really cool especially uh, a classmate of ours was telling me the story that they had like downloaded some app to start investing and they were like looking at this stock and they thought that they um, they thought that they had pressed like invest like go through with the transaction or whatever and they didn't and then the next day they woke up and the stock had gone up a lot and she was like oh my god yes yeah. <laughs> I've, I've made oh, it no. and then she realized the transaction never went through oh and no <laughs> that sucks and after that she gave up on investing oh <laughs> I know no <laughs> Oh, my God. I get why that happens, though. <laughs> yeah, that's really annoying. But it's a beautiful balance like of this thing is to be a little bit purpose-driven in mm. uh, when it comes to money, uh, in that sense, and value. I'm curious, you mentioned a lot of... So if I'm interested in fintech uh, just in general, as a, like, uh, oh, this is super interesting what's happening in this part of the industry. What are some of the companies that you mentioned Robinhood, it was called? Robinhood is really yeah. interesting. Uh, Free Trade is mm. a new company in the UK that we're really interested in. We just saw them, like, a week ago that they exist, and they are very similar to us. Mm. Um, Revolut mm. is interesting in the way that they're coming up with, like, a new product per quarter. They're just, like, basically experimenting this shit out of that company. They're just, like, adding a, a, as many products and services they can to see which ones fly. And uh, they're interesting to look at. Um, Do we need to make a shout-out to our classmate at Revolut in London, Andrea. <laughs> oh, you have Shout a friend working there. Yeah. Shout just out. There. Shout out to Andrea. Nice, fun. Uh, I really like TransferWise. They seem like a legitimately good company. Like, they seem like good guys. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's actually one company in Stockholm called Sequest. And you could log into their app with your bank ID and scan your funds. So you just log in and then all of your funds appear because most people have funds already, pension funds. And it shows you if you have something that is invested in something un unethical. Mm. Um, and then you get the option to like move away, like sell those assets that are unethically invested. I think that's really cool. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. Um, nice. So yeah. That's a list to check out. That's a list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And I generally, like, when I see other companies, I've seen some startups in Stockholm trying to do the same thing as me and also being very keen on, like, ethical investing. Um, 
I just feel like is we're trying to solve the same problem. So can we cooperate in somehow? Like I, mm. my instinct is not to compete. It's to find a way to work together. Mm. Um, and I find that really like it's a struggle because we would be competing for the same users in many cases. Um, so yeah, that's something I kind of want to break the the pattern of just like competing and, and try to find a way to collaborate. We'll send them this episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They'll hook them. <laughs> this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have uh, friends investing in stocks at Hyper? Do you know of anyone who does it? The, I wouldn't call them friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he landed on oh, whether it was a so definition funny. of friends. No, 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 no. Okay, that came out wrong. We came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody that I directly know invests in stocks. No one you actively, respect. actively. I respect everybody at Hyper <laughs> Island. Admire everybody. Yeah. But um, there is a group of individuals at Hyper. They have formed like a young investors club at Hyper Island. Oh, they cool. are not in DMC. This is why I cannot claim them as friends. I do think they're really cool people. I would love to be their friends, guys. If you're listening, hit me up. <laughs> um, they know who they are, yeah. but. There, there are people out there, but I wish more people were talking about it. Like I didn't know, I didn't even know that they were doing it until it it related to a project that um, I was working on, and then it came out. But I, we had an amazing conversation with them, and it was like, why don't you have more of these conversations? Like, mm. why does it have to be that friend that you talk to every day, or that family member that you see every day, when the knowledge is around us? Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's just finding those peop the the people. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've experienced the same thing. Like I have a few friends from business school who I know are interested in investing, but like ninety percent of my friendships are like they're completely uninterested in it. Which we are about to change. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Our last question for you, and you've kind of touched upon it, but we want you to bring it on home. Mm. Um, what do you hope to change through your work? I'm hoping to make people more knowledgeable about the financial systems that we live in. I'm hoping to make people more independent uh, and more empowered um, in their financial selves and to decrease the dependency on the wankers of the world, the bankers. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping to contribute to improving the world by just making, spreading knowledge. Cool, cool. Well, thank you so much, Sonia, for thank joining us so today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And uh, thank you again to Beppa Studios. Uh, and, of course, as always, remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Sonia, where can the listeners follow Mojo Stocks? Um, Mojo Stocks on Instagram. Um, MojoStocks.com is where you can sign up for the beta. Um, yeah, that's where you find us. Great. And recruit your friends so you can beat Lynn to number one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, it's not happening. <laughs> I got a lot of friends. Great. <laughs> right. nice. yeah. okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ciao. Thank you. Ciao. Ciao. The här programmet görs på Beppo. 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 <laughs> Beppo. 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 Beppo.